Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place even more than you already are. Father, that there are people struggling right now to reach out to you. That they've been shackled to the floor like Paul was in prison. Father, that they've been shackled to their diagnosis. They've been shackled to their disease. They've been shackled to generational curses. Father, that as they just by faith stretch their arms, as they stretch their hearts to look at you. Father, that you would break those shackles. Father, that there is freedom in this place, that there is joy in this place. Father, that you've called us to bring heaven to earth. Father, that we are supposed to live heaven on earth. And I just pray peace this morning, Lord. I pray that everybody here, everybody listening, Father, that we would encounter you like we've never encountered you. I just thank you for these holy moments, for these precious moments, that when we're in doubt, that when we're questioning the true existence of Jesus, that you show up, that you're always with us, that we can tangibly feel you, that we can tangibly sense you. And Lord, that as people step out in freedom, as people, it may be their last hope, but Father, that when they reach for heaven, that your hand has come down and touches them this morning. Thank you. If I do catch me. for me to interrupt um, moments like that, honestly, like I just, I want to sit there, I always have something to say, and I was trying to uh, come up with something to say, because that was, that was a precious, precious moment, um, but we can, we can have that, like we can have that in our house, we can have that with our family, with our friends, it's, it's something that we can have all the time. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, 
My name is Josh Schmidt. My awesome wife and I get the opportunity to head up our junior high and high school student ministries. Um, and it's, it's a huge honor to be up here this morning. And I just thank Pastor Darren and Pastor Lernette for asking me to, to share. Um, and I just I thank you guys. I want to welcome Facebook and everybody that's online through whichever platform you're watching. You guys are like family, and hopefully we get to meet at some point, maybe just crossing in an airport somewhere. Um, but this morning is, is something, like I was working on a message I knew a couple weeks ago, and I had something that I really wanted to talk about, and I was pressing in, and it was just, it was going, it was going, it was going, and then I was actually driving up here on Tuesday um, to come work on everything and kind of put all my notes together, and I'm driving down the road, and I just start crying, you know, which I'm not like a super emotional guy, but I'm also not like a afraid to cry type of guy. Um, and I just start crying and in like thinking back to the times that I've encountered Jesus. And I'd watched a video earlier that day by Todd White, and it was like a five minute video. And I just started thinking about encountering Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, that message would have been great. And I tried to continue to press into that. I'm like, no, that's not where I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to talk about. And so I changed, God changed my mind because I liked what I had. I had all my notes pretty well done for the other one. Um, But I realized like the reason we come to church, the reason pastors have staff meetings, have a staff, the reason they have a team of leaders, communicators is not really for us. Um, It's for you guys. It's to create an atmosphere, a place or an environment where you guys can encounter Jesus. We should be doing that at home, but some people don't know how to do that. Some people are, are brand new in their faith. Some people may not be saved, and that's cool. But you're welcome here, but that's really why we do what we do. It's not so that they can spend 40 or 50 hours a week putting a message together. It's not that we can have um, you know, a creative team putting videos together and things like that. Like All of that is great, but really our whole purpose, our whole mindset is for you to encounter the face of Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about today, but I'm going to reference a bunch of scriptures that I'm just going to reference. You go back and read them. Uh, I want to see if your Bible says the same thing that my Bible says. So that's your homework, and then you come find me and let me know if it's different. Um, It might be different if it's translations, so don't yell at me for that. But I want to go to Matthew 6, and we've all heard this, but on Tuesday, it kind of settled a little bit different, and I was reading it, and I was thinking about it. But with what I was going, like what was was happening in the car and things like that, it just hit home a little bit different. But it says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So what's interesting is this isn't like, the end-all, be-all prayer. This is supposed to be kind of an outline of how we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus. But what's interesting, the part that stuck out to me, the part that hit in a different place, is your kingdom come soon, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as many of us have been through, all of us, the last two years, we've probably all questioned at some point, the realization or the reality of heaven being able to happen on earth. 
Am I the only one? Okay, that's good. Because if I was, we were going to go a different direction. But I feel like, and that's like this morning. So last night I was working on this and, and just going back over everything. And again, I got super emotional in the back about reaching the ability to reach into heaven for what we need. It's heaven on earth. Like heaven is perfect. Why are we waiting? There's so many of us, including myself, that walk around and we talk about it, but we don't do anything to bring heaven to earth. We just think that heaven is going to be heaven when we get there, which it is. But it specifically says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if that's the case, that should be our standard. Heaven is our standard. So when we walk around defeated, when we walk around depressed, when we walk around stressed, anxiety, you know, suicidal thoughts, addictions, whatever the case may be, I'm not saying that none of that's real. But if our standard becomes heaven and all of our situations we begin to reach into heaven to pull that into our situation, I feel like God will bring freedom. And last night I was, I was sitting there by myself. I, just, I come up here because it's quiet. My kids run around and I get distracted because we play hockey in our living room and football and baseball. And if you're not paying attention, you will get hit in the face with a ball. It's guaranteed. Um, like anybody that comes over, that's like a waiver that they have to sign. It's your responsibility. If your glasses get broke, you weren't paying attention. Like we, we try to have rules, and the four-year-old just forgets sometimes that you're not looking, and he will throw a football, and it will hit you in the face. Um, it happens. So I come to the church, but I'm sitting here, and I'm, I have moments where I'm in my message, and I'm going over it, and then I would just break down. And it's all the times that I encountered Jesus, reminding me of what that was like. They mentioned it on worship. Where would we be if we never encountered the face of Jesus? But it's our responsibility. Like heaven is readily available, but it's our responsibility to bring that to earth. So today, as I've kind of mentioned, we're going to talk about how one encounter with Jesus will change your life forever. And it's something that I've, I've talked back on and I've looked back over. And it's something that really stood out to me is the power of one encounter. And that's what I've titled this today. Not that it needs a title, but I feel like we get so caught up in sometimes the lights and the smoke and the music and things like that, that we forget that that one encounter will change your life forever. It can, it, I've seen it bring people healing. I've seen it bring people that didn't believe in Jesus healing, and then they believe in Jesus. One encounter has the ability and will change your life forever. Um, I asked Brad to put a picture up. So this picture, there was a Let Us Worship event in Windsor last year, um, and our church got connected, and we were able to just you know, be a small part of the ministry team that they had in place. And this picture got sent to me like three months after. And it, like in this, it made me think like this, this young man I was able to talk with and pray with. And I got his phone number and kept in touch with him. And God just messed him up this night. Like, I mean, he, this kid's balling. Like he's, I don't know, he's probably 23, 24. And he tells me, he said, I cannot get away from pornography and weed. He said every day. He said, I smoke so much weed and look at so much pornography. He said, I can't. And it's just worship. Like, they don't give a message. They don't 
really preach at you. And he's there, accepts Jesus. We pray over him. And I reached out to him. I stayed in contact with him in like a month and a half ago or two months ago. I just reached out to see how he was. He's connected in a church. He found a church. And he's a student up at CSU now. And he's not touched either one since. That's what an encounter with Jesus has the capability of doing. Um, I don't know if they're here, but I I asked permission, so I'm going to use his name because I asked permission. But Wes and Kayleen have served with us um, in our junior high and high school ministries. And Wes is, I don't know, he's like 6'5", like 250. He's on my my team, which is good. Um, Because catching him in an alley, making him mad, I don't know, would be great for me at my size. But I love Wes. But we, we went out to California four years ago for a leadership conference. And they went with us, and we were just talking, and we were in the car driving to the conference, and Wes got a phone call um, with some pretty, pretty bad news. And we're in California, so there's not really any way to act on that situation. It's over the weekend. There's nothing he can do until Monday. And so with the news, he shares that with us in the car. It was Nicole and I and his wife, Kayleen. And we just pray over it in the car, and then we go to the conference. And there was, I mean, it was, it was a pretty small conference. There was like 40 or 50 people, so we were close. Um, worship was, was, you know, intimate. It was close. It was just, it was an a environment. And he walks in, and on the way there, we pray about it. And he said, I just need something from God. Like, he was, he was pretty tore up with the news he had gotten. And so we get there, and we'd had the conversation the night before how he wanted to grow in things, but he always felt like when he worshiped that he was a distraction. He said, when I stand up in church, he said, I already block everybody behind me. He said, so if I was to worship and I was to put my hands up, he said, I feel like I'm just a distraction and in everybody's way. So he tells us this. And then the next night he said, God, I just need you. I need you to punch me or something. Don't, don't tempt God. So that night we're in worship and I just happened to turn around and get a drink of water. And Wes at six, five is on a chair like this in worship. He didn't care who was behind him. He didn't care what distraction he was. He didn't care what anybody else thought. And he just was worshiping. And I'm like, I I take my drink and go back. And then after that session that night, we're getting ready to leave because we had to leave the place we were staying at like 2.30 in the morning to catch our flight. So we were going to go back, and this lady asks if she can pray over us gives us a word and then Wes and Kayleen are standing there and this lady is like I don't know she's like five foot two like little little lady like compared to Wes it was like David and Goliath and she asks if she can pray for Wes and she walks up and she's praying in the spirit and she touches Wes on the chest with her finger and it literally almost knocked Wes off his feet like he had to take like a big step back and just messed him up we get back and he's like in his room, he's getting ready for bed, and he's like, I'm sorry, i got to come out without my shirt on. And he does, and he's got no joke. She touched him with a finger, and that night he said, God, I need you to punch me or something. And he had a fist imprint that you could see the white lines in between the fingers and the knuckle marks on his chest. And it was way bigger than this lady's hand. Like it was, It was almost twice the size of my hand right on his heart. And that changed his life. We were in the, the waiting room and these are, these are stories, but it's important because the encounter with Jesus is what we're after. And when we hear other people talk about encounters, it makes us hungry 
to get those encounters. In 2013, my little brother was killed in a car wreck. His girlfriend was also in that car wreck and died at the same time. But what was unbelievable is the night that we decided to take him off of life support, heaven showed up in the waiting room of the hospital. We had people praying for people, and there were encounters with heaven that took place in a waiting room that changed lives for eternity. And that's, that's what an encounter with Jesus will do. It will change your life forever. No questions asked. If you encounter Jesus, it will change your life forever. You may not walk in it. You may not talk like it. But I promise it will always be something that you remember, and it will change your life forever. And my thing is, is I've realized that it really isn't how good I communicate. It isn't how savvy my message is. It isn't how cool pictures and videos are. If I don't give you an opportunity to encounter the face of Jesus, I've done nothing. That's what it's about. That's the heart cry of this church. We were in a leadership meeting a couple weeks ago, and your pastor said that exact same thing. The reason we do this If we do it and only one person encounters the face of Jesus, it's all worth it. But when we forget that and we move past that and we turn it into the lights and the smoke show and the concerts and we leave Jesus out, unfortunately, there's a lot of church buildings that you would never know the presence of God left. And that's a hard thing because without the presence of God, you're never going to encounter the face of Jesus. And some of you are probably sitting here because it's like, oh, an encounter with Jesus, that sounds really weird. That sounds really freaky. Is that something that we really have to do? I hope so. I can't demand that that's what you want. I hope at some point that you get to a place of hunger enough that you're like, I just want to encounter Jesus. I just want the opportunity for it to change my life. So can I force you into an encounter with Jesus? No. But I would love for you to experience that. It's not something that we can force. But the thing is, is if we come to church week in and week out and we don't have the expectation of an encounter, are we really growing? Are we really pressing in to what God has for us? Are we pressing into the healing? Are we trying to pull heaven into our job because we're so frustrated with our boss? But what's interesting is, I say, yes, we need encounters with Jesus. I've had encounters with Jesus, and they've marked my life forever. When I recommitted my life to Jesus was an encounter with him in front of 5,500 people at a business conference that happened to have church on Sunday morning. I, I remember that moment like it was yesterday. that changed my life forever. But we also see encounters changing lives forever in Scripture. And this is where you guys are going to have some homework because I'm going to mention a scripture and I'm not even mentioning like the exact one. I'm just giving you the chapter and you can read the whole thing. And if I'm lying, you can send CW an email. (laughs) Because I promise you, one, he'll check, but then if I am wrong, he'll call me on it and we'll get it fixed. Um, The first one's Mark 5. And, you know, it talks about the woman with the issue of blood. And we read that story. And that lady had continual bleeding for 12 years. Um, it's interesting. We were at a birthday party yesterday, and like we saw a lot of blood. Like a gentleman cut his hand um, wide open, like stitches, and there was a lot of blood. And I'm like, man, if you were to bleed for 12 years, like I couldn't imagine what that would be like. But 12 years, she had an issue 
of bleeding that she couldn't get stopped. But then one day she hears that Jesus is going to be walking down the road. So because of the blood issue, she was basically told she was she should have quarantined. In 2020, she would have had to quarantine. Like six feet, social distance, can't touch nobody, can't breathe on anybody. If you sneeze, you got to be 10 feet. Like she should have social distanced. But because she heard that Jesus was coming, she decided to break the rules. She crawled through the crowd and her faith so much, her expectation so much of an encounter with Jesus was all I need is to touch his robe. She didn't even want to touch him. She wanted to touch the garment that he was wearing. If I can do that, heaven may come to earth. And we read in that story that she touches the robe of Jesus. And with all the people around, he stops and he says, who touched me? It's like, man, you had a, like a, a party. Everybody's touching you. And he said, no, power left. Who touched me? And she came forth. In that moment, an encounter with Jesus instantly healed her and changed her life forever. She didn't have to social distance no more. She didn't have to quarantine anymore. She could be with the people that she was created to be with. An encounter with Jesus changed her life forever. I think about John 4 where the Samaritan woman meets Jesus at the well. Jesus is there trying to get some water without a bucket. Only Jesus can do that. My gosh. So he's sitting there, and the Samaritan woman comes up in the middle of the day. Her hope is that she doesn't run into anybody. Her hope is that, again, she's supposed to be separated. She's supposed to be distant from everybody else because of the guilt and the shame of her life that she didn't want to encounter anybody. A lot of times we don't want to encounter anybody, but Jesus is sitting there ready for an encounter. That's the one that matters. She didn't want to talk to anybody. But then the fact that Jesus was a Jew and she was a Samaritan broke all traditional ties. All cultural standards were broken. He asks for water and she's like, you don't have a bucket. Like, that's my thought. Like, in what you want your water in. And he said, I am the living water. And then he calls out in her that she's been married five times and still not married to the person that she's with. So the guilt and the shame that she tried to get away from, that she was worried about confronting, is brought up. But then through that, Jesus reveals himself as the living water and says that because if she was to be filled with him, she would never be thirsty again. She takes off running to her town. The same lady that didn't want to talk to anybody is now running to her town to tell everybody that she just met a man that told her everything about herself. She got saved. That whole town, people got saved because she ran back into town and brought them to Jesus. An encounter with Jesus changed that woman's life forever. John 5, I like this one because some of us get so impatient, um, myself included, on healing on things being set free, on freedom from things. Um, it's tough sometimes to walk this out because we trust God that we're healed. We've received that healing in our spirit, and now we just have to wait for our physical body to manifest. In 2001, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. I've had it since then, but I believe by the blood of Jesus that I'm healed. Now it's waiting that out. 
It's, I mean, it's been 21 years, and we're still, I'm still waiting for that to manifest in my physical body. I know it's going to happen, and I know that because I was just at a doctor, I don't know, a month ago, and I told C-Dub about this, but I believe in testimonies. I went, and they check what's your A1C, and if you're a doctor or a nurse, you'll know what that is, and if you're not, you don't have to know. It's not super important, but normal, <laughs> like typically people with diabetes, it's like seven point something. Mine at one point was 13, 14 point something. It's come down. It's been seven. It's been 6.1 for like the last year and a half. And I go to the doctor, no joke, a month ago, and I'm talking to the doctor that I'd never seen. We were in the middle of our fast, so I was just letting him know because usually doctors, if you have that, they're usually not a fan of it. And he was all about it. He's a Christian guy, um, believes in fasting. We're talking about it. He tests my A1C, and it's 5.7. And so I look at a chart on the wall. And the chart says standard, no diabetes, and 5.7 is the high end of the percentage. So sometimes the journey is a little bit, but the guy that was at the pool of Bethesda, he was lame for 38 years. Some of us can't wait 38 seconds. Like the microwave, if it's 40 seconds, you pulling it out two seconds early. It's not done, but I'm eating it anyway. I've been there, right? Like there's been times in this that I've been frustrated like God I've dealt with it for 21 years I don't want my kids to have it I've prayed over my kids I've prayed over their kids generations that that doesn't continue but then you get the enemy tries to bring fear in he tries to bring doubt in and you have to remember the encounter with Jesus but this man's sick for 38 years he has to have somebody carry him there because he can't walk so Jesus walks up to him like Jesus does because the pool's bubbling and he missed his shot. He said, well, I don't have anybody to push me in the water. If you, need the, if you need somebody to push you in the water, you let me know where and I'll meet you there and I'll push you in the water. I can at least do that. I can't heal you, but I can push you in the water. He's like, I don't have anybody. And a lot of times we want to encounter Jesus, but we're so caught up in our excuses that we miss it. He starts listing off all these excuses. Well, I've been here for 38 years. I don't have any friends. Nobody wants to push me in the pool. Nobody wants to do this. My situation sucks. It's so bad. Nobody. It's a pity party. You're looking at the one that can fix everything. We're looking at the encounter in the face. And there's times we walk right by it because we're so caught up in our excuses. He tried. He tried to excuse his way out of a life-changing encounter. Make enough excuses that his life wouldn't have changed. But Jesus looks past all that. That encounter is important enough to Jesus that he looks past the excuses. He looks past the doubts. He looks past the fact that it took 38 years. Some of you are waiting for something that will manifest when it gives God the most glory. If, if there's an opportunity and God knows in your future that you're going to be in front of 5, 10, 15, 20,000 people, that may, may be the moment that he reveals it because then it changes everybody's life. He wants the biggest effect that he can get out of that situation. He looked at the man that hadn't been able to walk for 38 years. I'm not even 38 years old yet. Some of our kids think I'm 45, and that hurt my heart. I shaved my face, and I look like I'm 12. I'll be at your school. Um, sorry, I'm dealing with that one. But he, Jesus looked at him through all his excuses, looked at him through all of his doubts, all of his questions, 
And he just said, get up and walk. Take your mat, take all your problems, everything that you've been sitting on, everything that you've been struggling with, everything that you've been refusing to reach into heaven to pull earth down, and we're just going to make excuses. Take all of that and get up and walk. I would think after 38 years of not being able to walk, that that single encounter with Jesus would have changed his life. I think about that man. 38 years he sat in the same place with the same doubts, the same questions. Man, does this really work? Is heaven really available on earth? My marriage is, you know, my marriage is struggling. People are addicted to stuff. Nobody can have nice conversations. Whatever the case may be, And we get so focused on that that we find out that we've been sitting there for 38 years. We sit there, but then when the encounter comes, we shy away from it because that's all we've known for that long. It doesn't matter your circumstances. I don't care if you're a five-year-old in here. I don't care if you're six months old. I don't care if you're 160 years old. I don't care. Your circumstances do not dictate when you can encounter God. Your age does not dictate when you can encounter God. I grew up in a church where there's a lot of older people that hadn't encountered God. There's people that sit in church year after year after year and sit in church for 65, 70 years, and they didn't realize that they could encounter God. And that that breaks my heart. Like, I know how important... That encounter is. Our four-year-old, like Elijah, just a month ago, he said, well, how do I hear the voice of God? At four. I wish I would have grabbed a hold of it at four. I wanted that encounter years ago. There's encounters that I've just had that had I had years ago, I would have been way, way better off than I am now. One encounter will change your life forever. But what I find is interesting about church, I find it interesting about trying to communicate to people, praying for people at Walmart, whatever that is, I feel like a lot of times, and I've been here, where we try to get them saved before we try to get them the encounter. Our approach is, well, you have to come to church, you have to get saved, you have to get baptized, then you will encounter the face of Jesus. Then you will be set free then you will be healed. But I think our approach has to change. We should get them to encounter Jesus, and then it completely changes the soil of their heart to save, to be saved. We can't save them. If you're trying to save people, you're in the wrong business. Go be a doctor. We can't save them. I don't care how good your words are. I don't care how much scripture you know. You cannot save that person. And honestly, they're going to forget what you said by the time you leave because they're probably going to be agitated because you're trying to ram it down their throat. Some of you will forget what I said by the time the Super Bowl starts today. That's okay. But if you have an encounter with Jesus, you won't forget that. You won't. You may not remember it right away. You may not live in that moment all the time, but I promise you, you will remember it forever. And that will be something that you come back to all the time. So if we shift our approach, 
and we love people to love people because we're really not in the business to get people saved. But we bring them to a place where they can encounter the one that can change everything. Maybe you're talking to a drug addict that's asking you for $5, and you're like, oh, you're just going to buy more drugs. Maybe. But you should probably be asking God if you're supposed to give him 5 bucks, because maybe that opens a conversation where he can have an encounter with Jesus and be set free from an addiction, then give his life to Jesus. You can't argue with encounters. I mean, if somebody had a broken leg and you come up here and they get prayed for and then they're jumping around on it because they're instantly healed, you can't argue with that. You're not going to forget that. They're never going to forget the encounter they had. They will forget what you said. They will forget what you said. What's interesting is I read in, in Matthew, here on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is already perfect. We don't need more heaven in heaven. We don't need healing in heaven. We don't need freedom in heaven. We don't need joy in heaven. We don't need power in heaven. We don't need peace in heaven. It's already there. That's that's what it is. So if he tells us to be on earth as it is in heaven... I don't think he's telling us to pray for people's addictions to wait till we get to heaven. That's for them to encounter Jesus on earth as they will in heaven. That's our worship. When we step into worship, that's, there's angels 24-7 that fly around Jesus or hover or whatever they do, and they just sing, holy, 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 holy. That's all they do. That encounter will change your life. We don't need healing in heaven. So if you're like, well, I'm going to wait to pray for people till I get to heaven, you missed the boat. You're late. How many people walking around with something that you could have prayed for that God wanted to flow through you and then be set free? Heaven on earth. Into our situation. There's no situation that's too big for Jesus. Scripture tells us that everything with a name must bow. Every diagnosis that's been in this room has a name. A lot of us feel like it's life sentences, and sometimes it feels like that. But the encounter with Jesus is worth pressing into. I need my healing now. I know I'm going to have it in heaven. What testimony do I have to share that I walked with type 1 diabetes for 21, 22, whatever it is, however many years? If I share that in heaven, people will be like, well, yeah, you're in heaven. We know you healed. People here need to hear that. People here need to see that Pastor Darren is free from Parkinson's disease. People here need to see that you're free from suicidal thoughts. People in your school need to see that you can walk without depression and anxiety. It's for now. It's because when we happen, when that happens to us, we can share that, and that's heaven on earth, but it promotes an encounter with them that they can experience heaven on earth. Yes. That's what we are here for. That's why encounters are important. But what about the guy that doesn't believe in Jesus? Perfect. He, he could care less if you preach to him, but if you tell him how much he, he's loved... And you're willing to be a vessel and God says, well, man, his back is like a mess. And you pray for him and he's healed. 
he maybe didn't believe, he's not going to argue with something that he felt tangibly take place. This is the hardest part of my message, putting this together, and I'm going to share it because we should be equipping in here to go out and do the works of the ministry out in the, out, out there. That's the only reason I'm going to share this, and I struggled with this all week. But typically, you know, we like to put points together. We like to put takeaways together. You know, here's three things you do. And it's hard for me to put things in place to encounter Jesus because then I feel like we tie it to performance. And I struggled with this all week that if I tell them this, that they're going to think that this is a checklist that they have to do to encounter the goodness of Jesus. And that's not it at all. But we're all sitting in here on purpose. And I'm going to go through this pretty quick because it's really not about what we do. It's about how good he is. We have to, we have to be in the word. It's hard to bring heaven to earth. If you don't know what heaven's like, it's hard to bring healing. If you don't know that God's healed people, it's hard to bring that stuff. If we don't know what it is. Number two, there needs to be prayer and fasting. We need to be praying for people. We need to be fasting to seek the face of God for ourselves, because if we're not seeking that for ourselves, it's going to be hard to, to help somebody else step into that place. We must have a lifestyle of worship. Number three is a lifestyle of worship. Because when we continue to give him thanks and glory and lift him up and remember that it's about him, he's going to continue to work. But when it becomes about us, it's going to shut off. He's going to use somebody else that's got humility flowing through them. We must walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of you are like, man, that Holy Spirit freaks me out. Did me too. But now I, I, I love it. I can be in the most unpeaceful situation. I can begin to pray in the Spirit, and at least my atmosphere changes. A lot of times it will change an entire room. We have to walk in that because if God tells you to pray for somebody that's addicted to something, you dang sure better not be doing it out of your will. You better not be doing it out of your scripture knowledge, out of your word knowledge. It better come from him because that's the only place that person's going to encounter Jesus. Like I said, it's hard for me because I don't want to create a checklist. I don't want it to just be four things that we have to do to encounter Jesus. Because when we're out there talking to people, a lot of them are not going to know Jesus and they may not like Jesus. They may have been burned by the church. They may be an atheist. But if they are called to encounter Jesus... We need to be comfortable in that. That's the only reason I share those things is because that creates a lifestyle and an opportunity for us to be comfortable in it. That gives us the position that, okay, you, you think Jesus is like you're an atheist? You don't believe in Jesus? Cool. Can, can, I, can I trust my belief? Because I think he wants to heal, heal your shoulder. How would you know I hurt my shoulder? That's how much Jesus loves you. It has nothing to do with me has nothing to do with what I know because I've never met you. And you pray and that person's instantly healed. Well, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. It's already changed. And they start to replay that encounter. I don't want to die and find out five minutes after being in heaven all the things that could have happened. All the things that we could have brought heaven into earth and seen breakthrough because I was too afraid to help somebody encounter the face of Jesus. I don't want to live that life. But I do know, Ready, can I get you up here, please? 
It's hard for us to help others encounter Jesus when we're not doing it ourselves, when we haven't done it ourselves. And there's a time where we can, we can go on borrowed encounters. There's a time when we're new to our relationship with Jesus. There's a time that we're new to our walk. There's a time that we're learning. And that's the importance of sharing testimonies. And that's the importance of sharing stories and sharing encounters. Because at some point I had to rely on somebody else's encounter. I had to minister out of that place because I had not yet been there. And that's fine. That's, everybody will have that phase. But we cannot live forever on borrowed encounters. At some point, we're going to hit a point. It's like when you turn 18, you're, adult, you're an adult. The choices are yours. The, the consequences are yours. At some point in our walk with Jesus, it has to become personal. Just like your parents' faith is good when you're a little kid, but at some point, you have to make the decision to trust Jesus yourself, to walk with Jesus yourself. At some point, you're going to need a personal encounter with Jesus so that you can minister from that place. I love ministering from a place of other people's healing. But I'll tell you what, when that's mine, when that's my encounter, I promise that ministry is going to be a whole different place. I love seeing people healed. I've seen it. I mean, there's stories that we've sang about in this church that cancer was turned into a healthy baby. That's our encounter as a family. But when that healing takes place for me, it becomes personal. It's no longer borrowed. It's no longer somebody else's. And I can speak, this is my story. This is what God did for me. God set me free in this now. He loves you. Last month, we had our youth night here, and I'm getting ready to wrap up, but I'm, the presence of God is so thick right now. It's, well, we just talked about worship, and we talked about the ability of worship, freedom of worship. We had junior high and high school kids in here, and there's a lot of people in this world that have completely tuned out kids that age, told them that they're not going to do anything, that they're not going to amount to anything, and I beg to differ. And if you don't believe me, you're invited to come one night or one morning and experience what these kids are doing. And we're talking about worship. And, and I just, the power of what that is. And we have junior high boys in here. And all of a sudden I look over and they're on their knees and they're bawling with their hands lifted to Jesus. Had nothing to do with what I said. Had everything to do with the hunger for an encounter with Jesus. So I asked him that night. I said, okay, we can, you know, we're done. I said, what do you guys, oh, we want more worship. I had parents waiting because they wanted to continue. It changed their lives so much so that last week I was out with our junior high kids. And I, again, I had something lined out and I asked them, I said, we can go two ways. I said, we can talk on worship or we can talk about being the most powerful person in the room. They all voted to talk about worship, so we talk about worship a little bit, and we just pray. And I've got these boys that are, sometimes you're like, what are you doing? How, like, you're not hearing anything. And I look over, and I've got boys like this 
tears just streaming down their face. I've got junior high school girls laying on their face encountering the King of Kings. And it's not because of what I said. It's not because of what I did. But it's because there becomes a time where we just want to encounter Him. Today's your time. It's your time to move from borrowed encounters to personal encounters. It's your opportunity to move to a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. It's your time. It's no longer about your parents' encounters. It's no longer about your neighbor's encounters. Today is the opportunity for your encounter. He's here. He is present and he's looking. And honestly, like, I love our pastors, but it's to a point, it's not just about their encounters anymore. We have to move from riding their coattails and all their encounters and living through that to having our own personal encounters. And Jesus wants that for you today. So I've got a couple things. We're going to move into this. And if you have to, like when we're done, if you have to get your kids, but I really believe that today is your time. I really believe that this is your moment. It's not about your spouse. It's not about the Super Bowl. I called them and they said they'll start it at 4.30, so we're not in a hurry. It's not about the buffet. Golden Corral put fresh food out like every 30 minutes. Hopefully sooner. It's it's about you. If you're sitting here with your spouse and they're like freaking out that you're going to get up, get up anyway. If you're sitting here and you're with your parents, I love your parents and I'd never tell you to dishonor your parents. But this is about your encounter with Jesus. Get up. It's about your encounter. It's not their encounter anymore. It's time that we step out. So there was two things in this that God, I feel like God showed me and God wanted me to, to call. And I'm not, I'm not calling it out to point people out because I fit in the second one so much. But it is going to take boldness. Sometimes reaching to heaven for our situation takes more boldness and courage than we ever thought we had. But when that means that you can reach into heaven and pray for somebody else and they get healed because you're willing to be that vessel, I think it's okay to be uncomfortable. And I'm going to ask for boldness. I'm going to ask for courage. If we're asking our students of this and they're responding, I feel it's only right that I would ask you guys of this. So I've got two things. The first one, and I'm going to invite you to come up Red's plan. We're just going to sit. I'm going to, you know, I pray with you, whatever the case may be. But the first one is you've never encountered Jesus face to face. And after hearing today, after hearing the stories, after hearing what happens in the Bible, after sharing what a personal encounter will do with Jesus, if that's you, I invite you to come as I'm talking. And I feel like there's people, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be extremely hard because you may be the only one to move, but once you move, somebody else will move. There will be a freedom that takes place. Thank you, Father. I know there's more. I invite you to come to the second one. 
The second one is I've encountered Jesus. I know what it's like, but my gosh, I've gotten so stinking bullheaded and stubborn that I need a fresh encounter. I need more of God. I need something miraculous to happen because I've gone from personal encounters back to borrowed encounters. I've gone from sitting with Jesus to watching from the sidelines. I've gone from being in the middle to cheering from the top row. It's your time. It's your time to come. It's your time to move. It is uncomfortable. Guys, but encountering Jesus is sometimes uncomfortable, but the result If you're sitting here and you're trusting God for an encounter and you believe, God, maybe you can heal me today. If you came up here and he healed you, it would be worth it. There would be no questions. There would be no hesitations. If you were addicted to something and you knew that he was going to set you free today, you'd already be up here. It's not a pressure thing. It's not a guilt thing. Jesus and I want to learn more about Jesus but I don't know how to have this conversation with my parents if we all come from a place of personal encounters that all changes if you don't have kids that's okay there's kids that need you I can't heal you I can't save you I can't bring freedom to your addictions But the one that you encounter this morning can and will. And this is an appointed time. I said at the beginning, it's a holy moment. This is a holy moment. This is what it's like when heaven comes to earth. This is what it's like when the Holy Spirit begins to move and set people free. Captives are released. Jesus, I don't care if you fall to your knees right now where you're at and you just start bawling. That's your encounter. I don't care what the person next to you thinks. I don't care what your spouse thinks. I don't care what your parents think. If you mom and dad, I don't care what your parents think. If your parents think it's not hip and it's not cool, show them. If God's calling you to come, come. There's so much more in this that when we start to encounter Jesus, things change. Paul and Silas were thrown in the middle of a dungeon, shackled to the floor. One encounter with Jesus set not only them free, but everybody around them free. When they begin to worship in the middle of that dungeon, it not only flung open their cell door, but every cell door in that entire prison. Sometimes our encounter, our freedom, our breakthrough could be the catapult for somebody else's breakthrough. It's not about me. It's, it's, there's people up here praying that have had encounters. And it's funny because I was going to ask them to come up and they just come up praying for people. We're not in this alone. But I don't want you guys to have to walk on pastor's encounter anymore. I don't want it to just be my encounter. 
guys, and I know, like, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to lead our families. Sometimes it's hard, man. I have to be tough. I have to be rough. I can't cry. I can't. I think Jesus is calling some of you, and you're afraid to move. I've been that guy, but I've also been that guy when people begin to move and our men begin to step up and our men begin to bring encounters into our families. Schools change. Communities change. Things change because we lead from a place of personal encounter. It's not too late. I invite you guys to come. I'm going to pray for people. Rhett's going to play for a few minutes. I'm going to mention real quick because he's he's praying for people, but Rooted is starting. I'm going to go praying for people here in just a minute. Um, get signed up. I think they're doing sign-ups after. I don't want to interrupt what's what's going on. Um, but but for real, if your kids are in the back and you're like, man, I want to see, I want my kids to see me encounter Jesus. Come on, bring your kids. Our kids need encounters with Jesus. The world is telling them that they're good for nothing, that they need to kill themselves, that they need, they're full of depression and anxiety. That's what the world is telling our kids, that they have to take their clothes off to get somebody to love them, that they have to have so many followers on Instagram, that they have to have all these people on TikTok because we're not encountering Jesus, so we're encountering the world. It's your encounter. It's about you today. Man, it's, it's about you today. Today, you don't have to protect your family in this moment. You don't have to sit there and support your wife and your kids. It's about you today. Come on. If you, got, if you guys are coming, come on. See, 